You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. It is Friday the 13th of August and the end of the week where we've been talking plenty about uh, the action this weekend at uh, Deauville and a little bit about the action at York next week. Well, it is York that takes centre stage on this podcast this week. Cannot wait to be at the Naismar with crowds as well, full crowds for the Welcome to Yorkshire Ebor Festival will be absolutely fantastic. Cornelius Lysett, broadcaster and journalist, joins me. We'll be talking about the Jubmont International, we'll be looking ahead to Stradivarius's return, really looking forward to seeing him back, as I'm sure the York crowds are as well. Great, the Batash will be there parading before the, the Nunthorpe too. The crowds will absolutely love that. We'll be talking to Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's James Willoughby about the world rankings. We've had some shake-ups in the top 10, and we'll be musing about what might happen after the action this Sunday and into next week. We'll be talking to one of the founders of Thoroughbid. They're uh, one of the teams in the Racing League and they have announced their first online sale. More on that with Will Kinsey very shortly. But Cornelius, first of all, the Jubmont International looks a fantastic renewal. The race that always delivers. Yeah, we we probably do say it every year and we've been saying it every year for decades as well. So uh, and, and actually, the stats demonstrate that in terms of world racing, the, the Judmont International Stakes at York in August is, is amongst the most important races in, in the world year in, year out. So as well as being important, it looks really intriguing. Uh, St. Mark's Basilica, a lot of people really can't wait to uh, th- this horse looking so much like the real deal. Uh, and uh, really looking forward to uh, seeing that one in action, trying to follow up that superb success at Sandown in the Eclipse Stakes. And then look, look who's um, look who's uh, up against him uh, in Mishrif, um, which you know people tended. I'm, do you agree, Tom? That people, for obvious reasons, at Ascot in the uh, in the King George. Uh, tended to concentrate on the brilliant double achieved by Adia perfectly well. But I don't know what your view was, but I thought Mishrif was the, you know, if, if you can have an eye catcher in a, a major group one prize like that, I thought to myself at the end of it, well done, Adia. That's great to have pulled off that double. But do you agree that, that, that Mishrif looked like a, a big race winner absolutely waiting to happen very soon? Yes, I, I think certainly with regard to, to dropping a, a furlong and a half in trip as he is now. I know he'd won over the mile and a half. The, the thing was that, Adiar was always going to grab those headlines of for, for being quite the rightly. first, quite rightly, the, the first horse in, in 20 years since Galileo to, to go from winning a derby to, to winning a King George. And, and that wasn't lost on anyone. And that was, that was fantastic. I think the, the race half needed that. So credit mm. to, to all connections for, for getting him to do that. But I'm, look, I'm a massive Mishrif fan. I wasn't um, necessarily, I, I, I really appreciated what he did in the Saudi Cup. Corner. It was fantastic oh, the, the way he approached it, the way he went forward and dictated. You wish you were that bank manager as well. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. But I, I thought what he did afterwards over a mile and a half in, um, in Dubai, the, the, 
to, to handle such a change in tempo of a race was was quite brilliant. The performance probably of the season for me up, up to that point early in springtime over here. Um, mm. And it, yeah, he 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 ran perfectly well at Ascot. But I do think that for all he stayed the mile and a half in the Shima Classic, I think there's a chance that this sort of you know French Derby trip, Jabon International trip is is probably him at his best. So this is, it's going to be no walk in the park for St. Mark's Basilica. No, 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 it's not. And if it is a walk in the park, we really do know how uh, good he is. Then, then um, you, you add in other ingredients, other intriguing ingredients into this cocktail. You know, love, uh, perhaps, uh, Mahafeth. You know, there was a lot of debate about Mahafeth uh, finishing third in the York Stakes at uh, York was, what well, that was the end of July as well, wasn't it? Uh, beaten heads and necks and that kind of thing by Bangkok and Juan Elcano. So things didn't quite work out there. Talk about that horse uh, running again. But unquestionably, the most intriguing of all is alcohol-free. Alcohol-free, having um, been successful at Glorious Goodwood, uh, successful at at Royal Ascot as well, um, three-time Group 1 winner now, and, you know, you look at the pedigree and you think, is it possible? No, nay, never in terms of this distance. Her, her dad, I think, has only ever had six winners or something like that, a handful of winners uh, at this kind of distance. So the pedigree, if you were going just on pedigree, you'd be saying, oh, no, I'm, I'm not sure about this at all. And then you, you stand there and you screw up your eyes and you recall the end of the Sussex Stakes. And I know that Jeff Smith, uh, he, uh, her owner, kept saying this after the race did you see the way she was keeping going at the at the finish she was keeping going and keeping going and he's a guy uh, who has been watching and studying these type of horses many of them in his own colors but in other people's colors as well for uh, so long um, so therefore his instinct is to have a go and he had a go with Arabian Queen against Golden Horn in 2015 and uh, that pay off paid off he had a go with Norse Dancer uh, against uh, S- uh, Suleimani uh, a few years ago. That didn't quite pay off, but only by three quarters of an inch, I think. Uh, three quarters of a length, uh, I should say, when Norse Dancer was second. And Chief Singer didn't didn't uh, stay in 1984. So he's got history with the race. Uh, his mi- slightly mixed history, but he's got an instinct about the race. And uh, although he didn't breed al- uh, alcohol-free, he is one of the foremost British owner-breeders and uh, authorities on horse racing and his instinct is to have a go and ultimately there's nothing to lose because she's not going to be sold uh she'll presumably go like uh, so many of his other good horses like Loxong to Littleton Stud in Hampshire and uh, hopefully produce some great progeny in the future so yeah it is a, it's a big sporting move but they probably haven't got a huge amount to lose if indeed that's what they decide to do the other thing I should just say though that after the Sussex Stakes, Oshin Oshin Murphy uh, had uh, ridden her and um, there was a little sort of uh, huddle around him outside the weighing room and uh, he gave his answer about the about the race at Goodwood, uh, typically concise answer from the champion jockey and then he said as to what happens next and one of the one of the uh, reporters around him said well they're talking about the international stakes and he he was fairly surprised, put it that way, uh, and 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 smiled, dash laughed, and then decided that was a good opportunity to grab his helmet and go and to go off and meet. I think it was the same team actually, uh, Jeff and Andrew ahead ahead of the following race. 
So um, it, it it adds to the uh, it's adds to the intrigue. But with these female horses who which aren't going to be sold, like alcohol free, like I suspect Lady Bothorp, uh, there are various options for her having uh, been successful at Glorious Goodwood. You have a got sporting owners, and you've got sporting owners who don't plan to sell. So therefore, you know what what's to lose. And I'll be talking to James Willoughby of uh, Thoroughbred Racing Commentary about the world rankings and, and what might happen off the back of that Judgment International next week uh, with regard to a, a shake-up at the top. And, of course, after Palace Pier, who sits atop the tree currently, his run this Sunday in the Jacques Lamarwa. Right, well, um, we're going to come to the uh, Racing League shortly and reflect on last night's action, which you were heavily involved with, Cornelius. And I, I assure you this is coincidence that... Um, that you are the racing manager to, to Thoroughbid and you, and you are on this podcast. But um, Thoroughbid launched yesterday the, the first sale that they are going to take in. Uh, Thoroughbid, the, the UK's first dedicated online bloodstock auction house. One half of the team behind it is uh, Will Kinsey, ex-jockey, ex-trainer Will Kinsey, now heavily involved in the bloodstock world. And I caught up with him a little bit earlier on, asking him to tell us more. Well, fundamentally... Thoroughbid is a new auction house. Uh, it's an online digital platform, and we will be starting to sell our first horses on the twelfth of September. So it's 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 an online only auction house. Um, you can, I, I take it, you you will be bidding for horses online. You you get a chance to see them see them in the flesh beforehand, and you hope that people do so. That's it. Well, we've, we've started taking um, horses already for the sale. And the idea is that we will be obviously getting a nice catalogue together. The catalogue will will go live on the Monday before. So that'll be Monday the 6th of September. And people can, what, we'll ha- what we will have is a, a fantastic platform to, to see the pictures and videos of horses and everything will be consistent from one horse to another. And we want to give, as I say, the best sort of platform um, and access to people to view these horses. And then if they like what they see on the pictures and the videos and once they've spoken to the owner or the trainer, they can then arrange to do a visit if, if so be it or send somebody down there to, to see them in the flesh before the sale. Did this arise, Will, almost, or maybe it was, maybe it was, uh, or the process was, was um, brought forward because of, of covid and the the success or the need for current auction houses physical auction houses to have online sales uh, not initially no the, how it actually happened was i mean believe it or not it was just before covid and i took my business partner with me ross alberto to the sales and ross honestly said to me well is this the only way that horses can be bought and sold and i i was kind of said well well no but in this country this is the only way they were they were sold and Ross actually used the, um, you know, he, he sort of comes much more from an outsider's point of view, although he is an owner of a few horses or was at the time, um, but fairly new into the sport, saying how, you know, he bought cars online on, on, you know, and things like that. And it just, he couldn't get his head around that it. it was the only way to do business. So that's how it kind of started in the first place. And you, I suppose you're a good team because, as you say, he slightly, sits slightly outside the sport. You're an ex-jockey trainer now involved in the bloodstock world, so you come at it from the more horseman's point of view, Will. Yeah, exactly. I mean, from the horseman's point of view, I, I, you know, I was quite frustrated in speaking to my colleagues. You know, I felt there was a lot of frustration there too. You know, there's a lot of cost that goes out of these horses when you enter them in a sale and physically take them to a sale with transport costs, staff costs abroad, and, 
and then the, you know uh, you know start cost you know to the sales you know boarding them up in hotels and and and, and also the, just the time you wait with the horse to go to the next physical auction so you know there was a lot of frustration there and um you know, i just think this this way is sort of taking sales into the 21st century as it were and um it's a much more efficient way of doing things for the horses how have you you found uh, attracting horses uh, to the to the first catalogue to the first sale? And uh, is it fair to say that they're more likely to be horses in training, given this is the the first sale you've done at the time of the year? Yeah, well, look, online selling in this country with horses is still pretty much in its infancy. You know, it, it's much bigger in other parts of the world, like Australia and America, where where they where they have to have online selling because of the sheer size of the country, and it works very well. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the reality is it's, it's going to be much easier to sell horses in training and broodmares um, where, you know, once they've got form and you can see, still see pictures and videos of them, you know, young stock foals or, you know, the younger the horse, more difficult it'll be to start with. But I'm sure that those perceptions will change as time goes by. Have you got an idea of, of how many sales you'd like to have within the calendar year, Will? We would like to try and stage one every two weeks. I mean, the idea is that... It, it's it's giving people more opportunity to, to buy and sell their horses. I say rather than you know physical auctions are, are restricted as to when you can sell a horse or buy a horse. You know you might want to sell it straight away, but your next auction is in two or three months' time. So you know we want to have you know frequency uh, and, and availability for, for the horseman is is key really. And if there is a vendor out there, Will, that, that thinks they've got a, a, a horse or two that they actually might want to, to sell, and this could be for them, can they just get in touch? Yeah, definitely. Just um, you know, if you go go on the website there and subscribe and get in touch, we we you know we'll be glad to have a look at your horses. I mean, it's you know our our USPs are that you know we want to try and stay sales often, so every two weeks is is our intention. And our commission structure is much lower, much more competitive. We very much want to be you know a competitor to Goss and Tat, the two main players in the market currently, to give uh, more choice to everybody and. And fundamentally keep more money in the owners and the trainers pockets well great stuff wish you all the best with the the first sale on the 12th of september and thanks for your time cheers Tom. so cornelius um before we get to the racing league just just thorough bid as mm. a whole um before i did the interview i was interested but I've, I've got to say this the the amount of sales that they're looking at doing um how big a player do you think they can they can be in the in the bloodstock auction world well it's really fascinating isn't it and i know you've declared my interest for me already but i will declare that interest uh, again having been doing some work with thoroughbid in relation to the uh, racing league but as they say in um, in scientific circles uh, in the pandemic i'm speaking in a personal capacity here um and um yeah I, I think it's probably no surprise that something like this and i think a couple of others with similar plans perhaps not quite so advanced uh, have uh, come along considering the technology that exists. Every other traditional aspect of our lives, whether it's the media, whether it's banking, whether it's shopping deliveries, whether it's practically anything at the moment has been touched by technology to uh, to some extent. So why not the buying and selling of uh, bloodstock? In fact, in, in, indeed, some of the technologies have been well used during the, the pandemic. I think the crucial thing to me is that it does feel modern, doesn't it? It feels, uh, you know, it's happening in pounds, not guineas. Uh, and uh, the founders, um, Will and others, are bandying around words like efficient and flexible. 
Uh, and though it's clear that there isn't a lot wrong with the traditional auction houses, uh, it's clear that, uh, what was his name, Richard Tattersall, I think, who started Tats in 1760-something in what's now central London, or Mr. Goff, I think it's on the, uh, on the Goff's insignia, isn't it? Been doing it since 1866. You know, Mr. Tattersall and Mr. Goff would feel reasonably at home in their namesake rings in 2021. So that makes it uh, more interesting. They can all probably live together. And um, the other thing is, while this kind of uh, operation has been mooted before, nothing has ever actually happened. And, uh, you know, Thoroughbid is now about to stage a sale on September the whatever, September the 12th, is it? This is a big moment and will be watched with big interest, not just within the horse sales world, but I think within the technology world as well. So it's, yeah, it's really intriguing for, for, for British uh, and Irish racing. And at one stage, yourselves and Thoroughbid were atop the racing league last night, Cornelius. Um, yeah, but you don't want to hit the front too soon, do you? Um, but um, yeah, we, we are now. So the, the racing league in, uh, in the UK, if you've been, not been following it, where have you been? Uh, it, it is gathering, it's gathering momentum. I don't think there's any real doubt about that. Uh, six weeks of, of racing and we've had the first three. So we're at the halfway stage and Team Thoroughbid lying in second place. Uh, 178 points, you get 25 uh, for a win, and then it goes down to 10th place, the, the point system. The leaders, Team Swish at the moment, and Team Swish, which uh, seem to be based around Lambourne, were in fantastic form last night. Uh, Adam Kirby riding an absolutely textbook race from a bad draw on a horse called The Attorney. Uh, and um, he'd rather, speaking on, on Sky Sports Racing, he'd rather play down his chances on this horse he delivered it absolutely uh, at the, the the right moment to to win that for for Team Swish and Safi Osborne, whose dad Jamie Osborne, the trainer, is also heavily involved. She was in uh, fabulous form there last night as well. So they with at the halfway stage, they're on one eight eight. We're on one seven eight. There are ten teams uh, behind us. Haley Turner in in great form for our our team last night and. Um, I have to tell you that Will Kinsey and the other guys from Team Thoroughbid are as enthusiastic as, about the racing league uh, as they are about the whole operation that they're launching in September. And that's not to say they're not full of enthusiasm about what they're launching in September, but they are enthusiastic people who are right behind this racing league as well. Now, it was dramatic last night as well at um, Lingfield because uh, Paul Marco Ghiani had a really nasty incident with Papa Stour, Stuart Williams' Papa Stour. Um, Marco joins me now. You were going along nicely in front and then it all changed very quickly, Marco. First of all, I think you just had some physio, haven't you? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling all right. I'd, you know, I just you got a swollen knee and it's been painful. Like, I can bend it pretty well, but... Uh, I won't die. <laughs> well, I'll be good. That is good. That is good to hear. Um, I take it you're not riding at Newbury today. No, no. I've been taken to the hospital for an X-ray, um, and it came back positive, so nothing's broken. And I've been to the physio this morning. Yeah, I've been to the physio this morning because Jerry Hill sent me there, and. Medical suspend me, so I won't. I won't be riding today. Probably be back on Monday. But they said he probably just swollen because I hit the ground pretty hard. That that's, and that's all. 
that's an understatement, Marco. You hit it very hard. Um, but that's good. So that the apprentice title shouldn't, you know, it's not going to be affected if you're back Monday. So that's, I suppose, that was at the forefront of your mind, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I was really frustrated when I thought those I thought I was going to win there. And mm. um, when I realised the saddle was back, I just thought, well, California Crown World Day World Cup like that. So I probably can hold on for another seven and a half, but. But I didn't. <laughs> Marco, when uh, when you know that you're going to, to come out the side door as you did, I mean, what on earth can you do to prepare yourself for hitting the ground like that at such speed? Is there anything you can do? Well, really, it was really quick. Like, the moment I realised the saddle was going away, you know, like I said, I thought I can probably hold on a little bit longer. But the moment I thought that, I just fell off. It, it was it was very dramatic um and thankfully we were so pleased to see you you up standing about um i mean your poor family must have been terrified as well uh, i bet they were they're, yeah. they're happy to have you but hey you get a weekend of being a full-time dad now marco congratulations <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah my my dad and Stuart came before the ambulance <laughs> uh. they, they they ran to the truck and they arrived at the same time of the ambulance so yeah they was worried um and Stuart's put something up today saying that you know you're you're okay which is great um yeah I let him know straight away yesterday yeah um the the just just on the season Marco you, yours and Stuart's relationship and and your your season this year has been been so fantastic and I tell you you haven't stopped smiling all year so maybe you did for a bit yesterday but otherwise you haven't so that's it's been a great year hasn't well, it I was laughing in the ambulance I was realizing what happened and you know it was quite funny because I did hurt myself that bad but <laughs> So yeah, it's fun. It, it was in the end. Um, it's great. Yeah. You always have a smile on your face, and uh, I think we love seeing that as well. Um, I bet you're looking forward to to getting back riding anyway, and, and not being so yeah, sore. Yeah, definitely. I will come back stronger than before. <laughs> always. Listen, thanks for the catch up. I'm really glad you're all in one piece, and, and we'll see you back again soon. Thanks, Marco. Yeah. Thank you very much. Time to check in with our friends, as it's Friday, at Thoroughbred Racing Commentary and an update with James Willoughby on the Thoroughbred Racing Commentary Global Rankings. Palace Pier is still at one. We will come to him running this Sunday, of course, from Golden 60, St. Mark's Basilica, Adair, Essential Quality, and new in at number six is Tanawa after her brilliant success in the Ballyrone when uh, perhaps needing the run, improving for it. We shall see. Gran Allegria is seven, Mishrip eight, nine, Chronogenesis, and in at ten, Nick's go after his success in the Whitney last weekend. James, welcome along. So, a newbie into six is Tarnawa, though that's not as high as she has been in the past. No, she was world number two, Tom, after winning the Breeders' Cup turf, and the reason for that was that she soundly defeated the, at the time, world number four, Magical, and that she really put together a very nice CV indeed last year. And from her Valley Rowan victory on her reappearance, well, she's going to pick up where she left off. She's one of a number of horses that we've talked about week after week that has this world number one potential in what is a vintage season. Right. So she's in at six. Um, were You thought possibly, did you, that, that, that she might not be quite as high as that? 
Well, it's it's a lot more competitive, the scene, believe it or not, than when she left it at the end of last year. Last year, for one reason or another, maybe not perhaps the strongest for global racing around the world. And Tarnawa, who is a superstar filly, has got that potential to reach the top of the chart. She was in slightly shallower waters in, in, in terms of rankings. And now she finds herself parked behind the likes of St. Mark's Basilica, Adair, and Essential Quality, all absolutely brilliant three-year-olds. And sniffing uh, the top 10, we've got some really good horses like Hurricane Lane and Snowfall as well. I mean, this is, I can't stress it enough, but let's hope this comes to a fruition because there's never been so many top-notch horses, particularly three-year-olds, at the top of our rankings. Yes, and there's a lot of comments um, from uh, people in the media about what a, a, a brilliant crop both fillies and colts of three-year-olds this is. And I think these rankings are proving it. Two horses from the USA now in the top 10 then, James. We know Essential Quality is at five, and Nick's Go has moved up to 10 from 25. Uh, Essential Quality's Jim Dandy, in which of course is a, a trial for the Travers in effect, resulted in a very miserly rise for him last year. But he just can't be ranked above the four behemoths that are above him but it was good to see Nick's go return with the aforementioned Whitney win which our rating system pegged as the best performance of the week at 124 and here as you say rises 15 places to number 10 laying down a serious mark and what's really nice Tom about all this is is that sometimes these kind of uh, threads of form are not linked but we've got this marvelous situation now where we can embed American form with top class European form through, of course, the Saudi Cup. And, and that's one reason why it was great that that race was run, because we know where, where Nick, we know that Nick's go has got to rank beneath Mishrif as long as possible. And we know that, where that Mishrif has got to rank below St. Mark's Basilica, for example. So it all fits in beautifully. And it's one of the things that's making it so satisfying at the moment to watch these top races, wherever they run around the world. Yes, Mishrif behind St. Mark's Basilica, as you say, that may not be the case after Wednesday in the Jubbant International, but Ooh, um, we will hello. see. I had, to, right. I had to drop that in there. Um, James, is it the, the time of the year off the back of the first Group 1 for juveniles, which, which came in Ireland with the Keeneland Phoenix X, that we start taking notice of the juveniles? And Ebro River, he, he took that race. Whereabouts is he? Well, he's at 245 in the world. Now, normally the winner of the Phoenix Stakes will be ranked significantly higher than 245. And just to back reference what I was saying then, he's been beaten three times already, though. That's the problem, Tom. Fourth in the July Stakes, fourth in the Richmond, fifth in the Coventry. So that caps his ranking because he's finished behind so many other horses. Now, he is ranked above all of those he's beaten, but we have to keep them quite compact, close to one another. Because the computation, the, what, the, the, what the algorithm is doing is, is then saying, well, can you really trust that Ebro River is a new horse? Has he put all that, that bad videotape, if you will, behind him? Or will one of the horses that he's previously beaten come out and just turn him over again? So the rankings are cautious about Ebro River because he's got some scar tissue. Yes, uh, for all that was very much a, a season's best for him. Uh, Galileo. Didn't know we were going to mention Galileo, but you have quite rightly pointed out to me that um, as far as stallions go, he's been deposed, has he? He has, by deep impact. Now, in terms of our size rankings, 
there are three in a class of their own and surely regular listeners will not know not need to know which of the, the three are galileo of course long time world number one deep impact number two and it's deep impact that's taken over and unfortunately of course both of these horses are deceased and at number three dubawi who's no. not far behind <laughs> what? never galileo deep impact and dubawi they are, are they are they they are just standalone aren't they at the top of the tree they are but beneath them three stallions who are on the come if you want frankel kingman into into mischief and even see the stars has got bayard to represent him uh, but that's according to us they're in sort of the division two really although they're obviously elite stallions in their own right and frankel in particular uh, is having a tremendous season and marching uh, up the charts seemingly with every week but you can see all these things and really sort of find out where they all fit in around the world it's all based on mathematics there's no kind of fixing or kind of human input whatsoever and it's it really is an invaluable resource to actually click through on a stallion's name and remind yourself of all the, the top runners ranked uh, for each stallion uh, wherever they are right it's crystal ball time james are you ready yeah i like this part of the show though because it means that we we can think about what might happen which i i prefer to just basically be a wiseacre on what has happened where, where we muse as to what might happen to yeah. to Palace. So, so Palace Pier could be deposed, could he, off the back of the Jacques Lemaire if he doesn't win? Absolutely spot on, because this, in ranking terms, is a must-win for him. And the reason for that is that he's opposed by much lower-ranked horses presently in poetic flair, of course, a brilliant winner of the St. James's Palace Stakes. But poetic flair, of course, has got one or two defeats on his CV now, and he's down at number 28. An Alpine star who ran so well in the race last year, the, the Irish-trained filly, well, she peaked last year at 39. So you can see from a rankings perspective that if Paris Pierre finishes behind either of these two horses or any other in the Jacques Le Marois, it's going to do his reputation a good deal of damage and probably result in the world number one state has been handed on temporarily and i stress temporarily to the hong kong star golden 60 who at the moment is spelling and i then suggest that on wednesday st mark's basilica wins the judmont international so could by the time um you are spoken to next week although it won't work when it comes out will it but anyway in the next couple of weeks could we have st mark's basilica atop the tree I thought Misriff was winning that race. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I change my mind regularly. But could one of those top the tree? Yes, and 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 there are there are possibilities for other horses to do. For example, any victory in the in the international stakes from Misriff would surely pay a handsome compliment, would it not, to Adayar? So if St Mark's Basilica is defeated in the international and drops down the rankings, and Palace Pier is defeated in the Jacques Le Marois and drops down the rankings, and Mishrif were to one, win the international stakes, well, dare I say it, it's possible, it's very, very possible, that Adayar would accede to world number one while staying in his stable. Just sat in his box, chomping on some hay, sitting atop the tree. Imagine. Yeah, and the reason is that we're, we're building a principled hierarchy, just like form students do, but we're doing it automatically, logically, and repetitively over millions and millions of computations by the computer. And it makes sense, does it not? How can anybody look at Adair's King George and not see the fact that this would, this would then be the strongest piece of form in the world, would it not? 
James, a great pleasure as always. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Cornelius, if you will, send us away with a winning tip, please. Well, obviously, the first thing at the moment uh, is to see where David Probert, the jockey, is and, and what he's riding. 13 winners in the last seven racing days. I, I was amused to see that uh, his, uh, his weighing room colleague, Dan Muscat, had suggested that uh, having ridden, what, seven of those winners at Foss Lass in, in South Wales, that they ought to rename Foss Lass Probert Park. <laughs> which I, I thought was lovely. I'd uh, like so, to point uh, out, I, if, I, if I may as well, that it, 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 since coming on the Nick Luck Daily, um, he's, uh, he's rattled in the, the Foss Lass winners. Um, but I'm not saying we're anything to do with it, but um, if any... You're claiming to be a lucky charm, are you? Yes, I am, yeah. On yeah, Friday the 13th. It. Correct, yeah. <laughs> anyway, David's at, uh, at Newbury, um, and uh, I thought actually you... Um, uh, I'm not going to tip this, but Amazonian Dream for your... Uh, for your racing TV colleague James Millman and that op the Millman operation in Devon, Amazonian Dream might be his best chance at 3.55, could be well weighted. But for the tip, I'm going to take you to Ireland. I'm going to take you to the Curra and to the Royal Whip at uh, six o'clock, sponsored by Fitzdez, supporter of this podcast. It's the oldest race staged continuously in Ireland without interruption, 200 years of the Royal Whip. And uh, when I did a preview for the sponsor on Wednesday, my selection was fourth favourite. But the horse's form and the suitably prevailing uh, rain-softened ground means it's now favourite. It's number eight, Earlswood, winner of the uh, Gallinul Stakes and fourth in the Irish Derby. Probably a little bit luckless uh, not to be closer than the eight and a half, nine lengths it was uh, beaten. Trained by Johnny Murta. Johnny Murta. Quick word on him. In his ninth season, he started well. He then had a bit of a lull, but going really well again now. Uh, Champers Elise winning the Matron Stakes uh, last year. Ottoman Emperor on course for the St Ledger. And uh, if you missed it, Create Belief, uh, which I think uh, is also going for the Matron Stakes now, having won a Group 3 at Leopardstown last night. Murta going well uh, and uh, hopefully continue, will continue to go well with number eight, Earlswood, in the six o'clock at the Curra. Cornelius, great stuff. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks to everyone at home for, for listening and for putting up with me this week as well. And uh, have a lovely weekend. Or don't forget to, to look out for the Saturday edition tomorrow. All those interviews that have pointed you towards runners on Saturday and into next week at York compiled together for you. See you again soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm -hmm.